and that's how everybody should think is if this isn't fun now not everything has to be the word fun but our things do if we don't think it is then then that's the end because truly um in the end if people even don't even know what they want nobody doesn't want to have fun welcome to the learning to change podcast where we explore the power of the modern learner's lens and put the focus on learning i'm your host melissa emler This is the third episode in our series on events. In the last episode, Liz Latham inspired me to ask the question, you know what would be really fun? And I said, wouldn't it be fun if we invited Liz's business partner from the Community Factory to elaborate on fun and spontaneity in events so that we can dream about what events could be? So today, I have Nicole Ashibodu chatting with me about the very first secret business trip and being barefoot in the boardroom. I hope you find as much joy as I did in the stories that Nicole shares. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Nicole Ashibodu. I'm so happy you're with us today, Nicole. How are you? And what are you excited about? What are you working on? Oh, I'm so amazing. I'm just really excited that in this new year, everybody is looking to be together more, which is always my favorite thing because honestly and selfishly, I just like to hug everybody. So it's like a year of me hugging people. And I don't know how that could be bad. So that's what I'm excited about. That's super funny. And I'm not a hugger, but I still love to be in person with people. It's amazing. And I'm working on my hugging. I'm just not a natural hugger. That's okay. You know what? We have, Liz and I literally have this thing. It's called the hug deflection. So it's this move, which I'll have to send you a video sometime, but it's like, if I go in for a hug, somebody like you would grab my hands, bring them around and then say, it's so good to meet you. So we're shaking hands. I totally can get it. But just me personally, I'm a good read. So if I can tell you're not a hugger, I can high five or just be excited and wave my hands to myself. I love it. I love it. So we are talking about all things communities and events. So you founded a company with Liz called the Community Factory. And I would love to know, I did not ask her this question, but I'd love to know what the impetus behind the Community Factory is. What got you started? So we, um, Liz and I had exited from an agency that we had had um, gone into before. And we really love to focus on the intimate community that's formed. So it's not the 5,000 person events because you can create small, you know, feelings of belonging and connection within 5,000 people, but there's no way that all 5,000 people leave like, wow, I feel so close to all these people. Mm -hmm. So our sweet spot was, you know, between 20 and 150 max, depending on what we're doing you know, events and gatherings that didn't suck. So, you know, we really love to have the people be, you know, so engaged in getting what they need and want, whatever that may be, professionally and personally um, within an environment. And we get to travel the world to find the perfect places for that to happen, for us to facilitate that. Um, And so when we were thinking of a name, we were actually on one of our trips. We were in Belize and we were sitting there and we're like, you know, we want, how do we get the, the word community in there? And then we actually love on the side of the buildings in, in the East Coast and stuff, you know how they have like on the side of factories, they have like the old logos. And we kept seeing that in our head. And I was like, oh my gosh, the community factory, because it's kind of like a, 
you can't duplicate it, but it's our business. And so our business is to fact, you know, kind of factory this community. And so it all worked out together. We thought it was a perfect name. Couldn't think of anything else. And that's kind of how it came to be. And I love the fact that you're sort of, um, nothing you do based on our conversation with Liz last week and all the things that I see that the two of you produce on LinkedIn, none of it is cookie cutter. None of it is sort of like it cannot go through the assembly line of a factory. But I think what you're inspiring is the mass production of ideas and fun and um, excitement and spontaneity and notoriety. I feel all of those things through the work that you both share and produce, you know, publicly and for your clients. So it's really, really exciting. And I'm, I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about the learning that you have experienced in creating the community factory or the experiences, specific experiences that you've created for your clients. So what, what have you learned most in the work that you do? Well, first, the thing we learned was from a business standpoint was that it was really hard and took us a long time and a lot of repetition of doing the same exact thing, except for having so I was like, same results, different people, but everything's different. Mm -hmm. And so I think for us, the first thing that we learned was it is really hard to explain. (laughs) And as a business, when you want to sell something, I'm like, that is our product because you can't buy Liz and Nicole, but you can buy what comes from Liz and Nicole. So how do we, what is the box that it fits in? What's the thing that Mm -hmm. we do? And then the way in which we do it is what attracts people in and what attracts people to each other so that the thing that we sell works. And so I would say that was the biggest learning was of of how, how do we explain it? And then we kept thinking it's so different. It's really only can be done by us. And then last year, the biggest learning I think was that it is the exact same every single time. And it's formulaic from a business standpoint, but the impact for the people is so much, it's so in, it's so personal to them. And that's a good thing because for us, it's like, then we can serve more people. We can do more business. And so I think that's the thing that I've learned is, um, is that one is, everybody wants to belong, right? Like truly. And, and that the second thing is that belonging is hard to sell. And so we also learn what words we can't use. Like I know exactly what's going to happen at what point in the, during the day by the different kinds of people. Cause I really get into that human behavior. I'm like, I look like I can just tell or feel people out really quickly, know how to change the vibe of the room for whatever needs to be good, bad, otherwise. Um, and so I think that for us, the biggest exciting learning, or for me anyways, has been how do I create a process that then I can go and teach somebody else to do that? Because how horrible would it be that if it was just stuck to the two of us? So now it's something that we can share and we figured it out and we can have this train the trainer thing. So that's my biggest learning is that we can deliver this to more people which is the root of what we want to do, not just from a business. So sure we're making money, but I mean, as like, what is our legacy in our life that we want to live? Like, how cool is it that when we go on vacation, we, it's terrible. It's like we're working, but when we're working where it's like what people do on vacation. So when people are like, are you going to take time off? I'm like, but what would I do? Because it would never be better, you know? (laughs) And so we literally travel the world doing all these things. And people are like, oh yeah, you know, we're, we're not going to go anywhere for two weeks or, oh, I'm going to go on like somebody else's vacation with them unless that they've been on something that we've done for 
work before. I almost want to call it like purpose or something. It's really hard to have fun because I'm like, one, we don't get treated the same. You know, I love a good, you know, like, Mm -hmm. oh, they know who you are when you walk in. I'm not going to lie. I love that. You know, so- Yes. But so this can be shared and that's fine. Yeah. I love that you're thinking about it in a duplicatable process, but I love that you can adapt the process uh, to different environments. And so you just mentioned travel. So I have got to know how the travel component came into the community factory, because it's kind of a novel idea. I mean, not to travel sort of with the community, but to sort of uh, do the work that you do while you're traveling, right? So how did the travel start to be a core piece of it? So we are, um, the travel or the first thing that really sparked it um, for us was it, back in 2019, we did something called the world's, or it was called Secret Family Reunion, but it was the world's first secret business trip. And that was a big deal. We invited 80 corporate event marketers to show up at JFK Airport at 2 p.m. on November 2nd to pack for 65 degree weather for five days and to send me their passport in advance. And that's all we told them. For event, the event community, then a lot of the type A's. That is crazy. That's exactly what I was thinking is the type A's are freaking out right now. I'm a little bit more go with the flow, but my event organizer friends... Yeah. are not. <laughs> they have contingency yes. plan upon contingency plan. Yeah. And it's all very scripted and they know what's happening every minute. And so how did that go? Yeah. Oh my. So we thought like originally when we we're like, okay. And because we, when we had these spontaneous think tanks that we do, when people would leave, they'd say, it feels like family. And so Liz and I play this game called, you know, it would be fun, which you talked about last week. And we literally were like, you know what would be fun is if we didn't tell them where we were going. And then I was like, but we charter our own plane. And so <laughs> no idea. Okay. I'm like, so we chartered our own 737. We got to literally fulfill our life dreams, which makes half of this fun because we're doing what we want to do and just work it backwards and invite people to come with us. Yeah. So we got to be flight attendants and all of that. But these type A's, when they signed up, some people paid and signed up eight months in advance. And they were people, those are the planners. And so they were the people along the way that we had to do the most massaging with like, don't worry, it's going to be fine. They're like, can I just have one clue? We gave them nothing. (laughs) We even went to this place a year in advance in secret and took pictures of like the clouds, the dirt, the roof, you know, and all this stuff. Didn't tell them anything. So November 2nd comes, 80 people signed up and paid. They had no idea where they were going. People were shaking so we we did this countdown, and that was this big thing when you hear where we went um, when we dropped it. So we counted down from 10, and then we dropped this big sign, and we were like, Tuscany! Some people were frozen. Some people started crying. Some people were jumping up and down and hugging and screaming because their significant other was on the line, and some people were scared. The scared part was like, how am I going to go to this place that my husband or my wife and I have always wanted to go? And... I'm going in there now. So all these mixed emotions, everybody's like, oh my God. Like they thought we were going to take them to like Dayton, Ohio, which I'm sure is a lovely place, but would not really make you jump up and screaming up and down as the surprise place. Because, or they didn't even know we were going to leave the States. You know, maybe they're like, oh, somebody said, I thought you gave, I had to give you my passport so you could trick us thinking we were going to go internationally because how do you do that? So here we are, we surprise them. We're going to Tuscany and we purposefully picked a, re, um, a place, it's an agriturismo farm that had never had a group there before. And they didn't know that either. So our whole relationship with them was 
How do you market to a group like us? Let's build that on site for you. How, what are you missing? What's great? What was terrible? You know, and there was a lot of those things. But the getting there was part of the journey. So Liz and I got to be flight attendants, which we were so excited to do. Yes. They, we made our own in-flight magazine, which was amazing. It was perfect to like have people get to know each other as they're like on this plane on the way. We made our own safety briefing that had like, you know, the blow up slide, but people holding wine going down the slide and then getting on like a floating flamingo. It was awesome. We, she, Liz read a good night story. We had funny masks. We didn't people, they were like, we're landing in 10 seconds. Hold on to something. No seatbelts, like you name it. It was crazy. But the bond that we created in the stops that we had to make along all the way for gas uh-huh. <laughs> were, was huge. That is fascinating. <laughs> I, I can only yeah. imagine. And I love, okay, so well, we had a, we had a glow in the dark rave on the plane, which that was my favorite part of the plane. We turned all the lights off and everybody had glow in the dark things. We had this giant speaker and we're all like having this rave on the plane. And the pilot had to come on and tell us that we were creating turbulence and we needed to to stop. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's humbling, right? (laughs) Okay. Well, that's hilarious. We'll just, you know, we won't just jump as high and we still kept going, but we weren't like on top of the seats that we were. Okay, this is very crazy funny. But okay, so what I hear is that you also had a partnership with the people hosting you, the event venue that was hosting you to make this Correct. possible. So you were you gathered people with like a skill set that that organization needed and you brought them there and you you built yep. and so they had a very work related experience with a but it it was completely out of their norm and they created something of significant value for your partner. Yeah, absolutely. And that was really where it was, was we said, by the time I said, what we're going to do is we're going to give you the most concentrated experience of event professionals that you could ever have from the marketing side, from the, you know, from the corporate side, from the planner side, we had 28 CEOs on the plane. How do they think differently about like, how do you get something like this approved for your corporation so it doesn't look like a boondoggle, <laughs> right? Because everybody wants to go because Tuscany has its own brand. Is that a corporate place to go? What, you know, and why Why are all those things important? So um, we would experience the day. And then at the end of the day, we would do what we always are known to do. It's the retrospective is what did we love and what we, should we change for next time? Doing that at the end of every day gave them a chance to flex in the meantime. And then we had a day even where we talked to them about sales. Here's when somebody like me is going to look at a property like yours, what am I looking for? The send me something, right? I need you to send me a spec sheet, whatever else. Here's what I want you to show me and not show me on your fam trip. Here's the kind of communication style that I would want. And then here's some things to know. For example, the, um, the place was uh, didn't use pesticides. So when it rains, bugs come up from the shower, like the drains. Very normal. You just wash them down. But if you're, you need to know those things, you know what I mean? So that's where it was like, we experienced that during the day, some in a traumatic way. <laughs> and, but it's very normal for them. And then Reach said, awesome, that it's a normal occurrence around here. But if you've never been here before and you have your executives in these beautiful villas that you have, and all of a sudden it's you know, like there's bugs around. You, you need to prep them. Hey, it's going to rain tomorrow. This is what's going to happen or, or put something over the drain. I don't know. But that was, those were the kind of things, but the value that they got was amazing because they would have never sold their, their um, property to corporate event planners or to bring in events before that weren't your family reunions and weddings. 
And and what's fascinating is that you are pleasing both the the partner and they're providing a huge service to you for the uh, the yeah. professional learning part of it for your attendees, yeah. but you're providing such an amazing service back. So it's very mutually beneficial and it's fascinating. And when do we like, honestly, the cool thing too, was to be able to give of your mind like that and build something was like, we plan, we never get that opportunity. What usually happens on a fam trip or whatever else is you go to the most beautiful places and it, everything's ready. And then they're like, okay, they're coming. They're almost here. Everybody put on your best pants, you know, or whatever it is. And so, um, that's generally what, what we get. And so to go to something that was raw was really cool because it took, and that's where we really spent a lot of time on who's the 80 people. I mean, it was the mainly the personalities, the energy flow, the whatever else, because if there was going to be somebody that was like, for example, during registration was so uptight about like, well, I have to have it this way, then we would have talked them out of coming because we didn't know what we were going to walk into. And that's what bonded everybody was the chance to be able to use our mind and community and, and that kind of thing to build up another business and then see it in a different light. And to see them react and fix it as well was like, that was all the credit in the world. They don't ever need to sell to these people again. They just know that it's going to be great because they were part of building it. Yeah. And that is so fascinating because the other piece is, so when I think about uh, experiences that I've had where I've like really gone somewhere, traveled, so to speak, and um, created a very deep bond with people, it had, was a service project in high school where we would... Uh, we went to Washington, D.C., and we like lived – actually, I did this in college, but we went to Washington, D.C., and we lived and did service in the largest homeless shelter in the country, which was ironically directly across from the income tax court. Um, and so there was lots of ironies. Yes, of course, that's exactly how it went down. But again, it was the unknown um, – you know, here we are, privileged private college school people going into yeah. the service – area of living among the homeless people and, and doing things in service of them. And it was very touching. But what I love about the service that you're doing is that it is aligned with peers that are in need of service and support. And um, it's a way of exercising and learning like you the whole trip was a learning excursion for everybody on it. And it is just fascinating. So you're both receiving and serving all in one full swoop. So that is amazing. Yeah. So is there a way to recreate something like that? Like, are you in the process yes. of recreating that? And what does that, how do you go about finding the opportunity to recreate that? I would say that it's not, can we ever recreate the world's first secret business trip? No. Can we recreate a secret business trip? Yes. Will it be the same? No. Will it be the same? A little. So I think it's the mindset going into it. So it's really what we're looking for. So I always love the phrase is we get to travel the world looking for the places, spaces, and faces for community building or for intimate conversations. When I say community building, the world really doesn't understand community yet as a word as we do. So it's not like we're going into areas doing the service projects like that yes. are awesome that you went on, but that's not what I mean when we yes. say. So it's within the internal. So we literally have countries, some, a lot of it first is I know that when we approach a new destination, a country, a resort, and believe it or not, the resorts and hear this, every resort or every property in the United States, 
you don't want what we have. The international ones outside of the of outside of the US, they are looking and so excited and open to new things. Every time we've done anything in the US, we've really had a hard time getting them to be like, well, then what if it's, you know, it's like they can't let go or bring in something new that is not the templated format. So we love getting to go other places in the world until we find one in the US, which we're open to, um, and and going there because usually we look for properties that are 75 rooms or less. And it's not about like, we ain't looking for hotels. It will stay in hotels, but it's, we want the relationship with like, we want to know the owner, mm-hmm. right? And be able to talk with them and make sure that their general manager's there and that kind of thing. Generally, when we get there, they'll... Um, if they haven't brought us there ourselves, if we've gone to them and said, hey, we really want to go to Finland, for example, and we wanted to find somebody to, you know, take us around, um, we'll let them kind of show us what they do and give us their intro, then we'll stop them. And then we turn it and we show them their destination or their country. So my favorite thing is when a tourism board will say, we need to change the way, like we're not getting enough business from the U.S. market. Well, we are literally a flying U.S. market. So if there's a country that's looking to bring people there, get, you know, we've been on um, an island before in Dubai that hadn't even opened. And it was this really amazing hotel brand. And they were like, before we just throw some programming down that we think people want, how can you use our specific space to create those gathering spaces that aren't ballrooms and they're not meeting rooms and they're not whatever? How do we use what, what we're known for in our culture without bringing in some dancers? How do we really let you guys get in there? That's what we want to offer. So we love to show destinations, properties, whatever it is, what we see and how we would interact with the people. And we're not looking for this, you know, checkoff box. And the crazy thing is, is they always at first say, well, we've done this before. And I'm like, great, then we can't do it. Because if you've never done it, if you've done it before, that's not our jam. That's not what we're known for. So we need to create a thing where you're doing it for the first time. And so are we. We're working on it together. I'm pushing you to say, yeah, yeah, don't worry about that part. We'll work it out. And then for them to know like that we're going to a safe place and everything's there that we need and all that kind of stuff. So that's really... um that's how it works is we have a list of places that we think people would be able to get to rather easy, easily or that maybe need a little bit of a reinvention. And we go to them and say, bring us there. We'll, Liz and I will come first, experience it, create all the promo, whatever, and then we'll come back and we're going to bring back 40 people with us. I think there's just something so organic about just traveling to another country with people too, in terms of the bond and the learning and you're creating core memories in a a place where, you know, you leave the country, you have a little more vulnerability and, you know, you you sort of need to rely on each other a little bit more just from, you know, just your own perception kind of thing. So then what happens when you get back from these excursions with the group? Yeah. What happens with the bond? When you have an event, generally in another setting, um, they might have an app or whatever else. Everything in the app always dies. It has for me anyways, whether I'm in it or done something, doesn't matter. Nobody stays. And they're like, oh, yeah, we should stay connected. But if they don't feel insanely, crazily connected to where, like, if you're not getting asked to be in each other's weddings, if you wouldn't let me be in there when you have a baby, I don't even know. Let's make it weird. (laughs) You know, then, like, then it's just not going to happen. So it's not something. So generally, literally what we do is a WhatsApp channel. 
And that's for logistical purposes, for photo sharing while we're in it. When people go back to their rooms and they're still laughing from whatever happened during the day, now they're uploading the pictures and people are kind of like, it's still going. It's a natural state of what the trip was like that continues afterwards. When people get home, I don't know if you've ever been to a summer camp and you've come home the next day and you have that like longing to be like, you don't feel like you're in the right place anymore because you can't even explain the camp that you just came from. That's what it feels like. And so especially when we do like, for example, one of our favorite things that we do with groups or just us is I don't want to go to your restaurants. I want to go into your houses. So sometimes we'll go to the grocery store and try to get invited to somebody's house that will have dinner, you know, like that will invite us into their house for like a clip of time. So we've learned how to make pasta from an Italian Nona that spoke no English that smacked our hands to like show us we were doing it right or wrong. But there we were in their kitchen and we were spending a night with the family. And that told me more about the country, the culture and the food and the everything in two hours than anything we could have experienced by, you know, an actual setup thing. So when you experience moments like that, that you cannot purchase, that a DMC cannot organically set up for you, if they tried, they could, you know, Mm -hmm. that creates the WhatsApp channel will never die. And I will tell you that from our 2019 secret business trip, that WhatsApp channel still is active. People have literally like gone and become like new best friends. They now go on world travels. But the coolest thing from a business perspective is from that group, not because Liz and I said that it needed to happen, from that group, over $40 million in business has been done between them. And that's because you want to work with your friends. And it's as simple as that. And so that's not something like that we force to happen. It's something that we know will happen if we give them the kind of chances to interact with each other in a moment that they can't even explain when they go home works every time. I love the way you explain that in terms of (laughs) create moments that they can't even explain. Because that simply means that they're awe-inspiring and they're a little awestruck still when they come home and they're still processing it for so much time to come. I think that's amazing. And it definitely speaks to the learning, right? So the, for us, we always think of learning as being, um, natural, automatic, and very social. And you create the conditions for some significant learning to happen. And when you learn together, you grow together and you stay together. And that's exactly what your people are experiencing in their WhatsApp. And it's really like, it's, I would say it's a rabid, interest to personally want to know more or experience more of it. And that is a perfect setup for learning. Yes. And it also helps you intentionally design what you create going forward. So so you yeah. are passing on some of those um, key traits that make the community factory the community factory, right? That novelty, yeah. that fun, that spontaneity. And we can teach people how to look for that like we do, because the worst thing that I would say could happen to us or to anybody is when somebody says, how do you do that? And I give them a number like one, two, three, four, five. I literally stop them and say, okay, we're both looking at the same scene in front of us. Tell me what you see and what's the opportunity to create an event here or a a gathering or a moment of, you know, that you can't explain when you get home and they'll say it. And I'm like, now let me tell you what I see. So I teach them how I look for things 
and they'll never see again the same, which is the whole point. You need to see as an opportunist with, you know, what are you looking at? Like, what did somebody else miss? What's not right in front of you? That's right behind it. So I have noticed in your LinkedIn world, by the way, it's super fun. Oh, we have to talk about LinkedIn for a second because you also create, you both, you and Liz both create experiences on LinkedIn for those of us who are coming across your content. You take the craziest, funniest pictures and create the most amazing stories behind them. But those pictures are always very outside of the box. And I absolutely love the creativity and I'm drawn to them each time. So tell me what the thought process is behind those pictures. And, you know, tell me what the strategy is or what your thinking is in that LinkedIn space with those pictures. (laughs) The thing that nobody else would do. Yeah, I would say like, I am just me a lot like I'm a walking blooper reel and that's kind of my brand like <laughs> like not that I'm saying things I shouldn't which sometimes I do but like or just keeping it real or or that kind of thing but um like Liz has the ability to be strategic and think about and I'm just like there it is you know like there here we are and so literally like the other day I posted a picture of me because I thought it would be fun if when we did go to Tuscany if all the ladies or even men I don't care Bring a ballroom you could, or a ball gown. You could buy one. You could go to the Salvation Army. I don't care. Show up. People wearing umbrellas on their head. It didn't matter. Whatever made you feel fun. And we just did this fun photo shoot. Well, I'm wearing boots and I'm like, we're in Tuscany. And although I have this big, beautiful dress on, they, they're like, let me get some pictures of you. So they're like trying to get nice pictures of me. And then I just looked down and I was like, my boobs aren't straight. And so I like fixed them. They took the picture and I was like, that's more me than the pretty one that they took. I was like, I don't want to put a picture where I look like so smiley and perfect. I was like, this was it. Like they're not in straight ladies. We know what that is, you know? And then we like, and then I was like, oh, look, mud. Wouldn't it be fun? And there we were sliding down the mountain, rolling in the mud in this ball gowns. I'm literally like my friend has her hand on my butt cheeks, holding me up because I was sliding down the hill because it was so slippery and we were laughing and those were the best pictures ever. And that's really what it is, you know? And like when we take selfies, like sure, we take some smiling ones, but generally I'm like, ah, you know what I mean? Because it's like, that's how I feel at that moment. And when I take another kind of picture, I literally get, speaking of LinkedIn, DMs from people I don't even know, don't follow me, like nothing. And they're like, are you okay? And I'm like... (laughs) They're like, that wasn't you. And so they're used to like this whack up, which, yeah, I mean, I do. I love sequins. I'm loud. I have crazy glasses. Like my hair looks like a pineapple. That's fun for me. But the thing is, is like, and it's not like people want to be like me. That's not it. They want to feel like I do in themselves. And that's cool. And that's the space where I'm like, then let me go first. If you need some, you know, like the first person to do a polar bear plunge or jump into the pool, with no clothes on or clothes on. I'm that one. You know what I mean? Like, so, but then people are like, oh, okay. I'm going to do it. And that's cool because I love seeing them break out of their shell. And if I have to be the crazy one to put it in the front, then great. It (laughs) reminds me of the YouTube video, The First Follower. (laughs) You go first, but then there's always the first follower. And then you're just bringing a whole group along with you. Yeah. And it's not about about me, but I know that I need to go first, Mm -hmm. which... I'm fine with. And sometimes it really doesn't work out. And we're like, well, fail. But that's okay because then we have the greatest blooper reels of all time. But <laughs> it is absolutely a feeling. And it's it always contributes some value. It it 
changes my, the way I'm thinking, but it absolutely evokes a feeling. And so when I started to design this podcast series on events, because my personal experience with events has evolved significantly, I went from attending events to hosting events online during the pandemic because we happened to be really good at that before anybody knew how or knew that you could do that. And so we sort of came into the event world from the online space, but I had had lots of in-person experiences. I have attended and been very critical of the 15,000 person conference for, you know, the professional org that I've belonged to. And it just is too big and too, uh, and too noisy or something. So I have been a little, I've been feeling a little jaded. And then in the post pandemic era, things and events have really changed. I have noticed a shift toward more intimacy and more belonging. And I honestly don't believe that anybody creates the emotion better than you and Liz at the Community Factory. And I've been watching you and thinking in my head, I want to be in their presence. I want to learn from them because it is absolutely a feeling. It's absolutely connected to the feeling. And so for that, I'm very, very grateful of your random yet very uh, amazingly strategic without maybe that being your intention. Uh, posts on LinkedIn, and then just the, the the work that you're doing that you make visible on LinkedIn. So I can see the events coming. I can see, uh, I really want to know a little bit about the Barefoot Business Retreat uh, before we close yeah. out, because I think while going to another country is an amazing thing, there are people here that want to experience something here too. And you've sort of created an amazing anomaly in your barefoot business retreats. And I want you to talk about that a little bit and where did that idea come from and how did it come to fruition also? Because it's also a destination. (laughs) It also is tied to a destination. Yeah. So I've been told before, which never bugged me. And I was actually thinking of it as a compliment that like, I just can't picture you in a boardroom. And I'm like, but they never said I was bad at business. They were saying like, they can't pick, like I would be suffocated in this traditional boardroom situation, which I've been in there. I can own it. I can dance on the table, sit in the front. I don't have a problem taking a seat, whatever. But, and I always thought, you know what would change if we could only do one thing different in these boring ball or boardroom situation and ballroom is probably a Freudian slip because I also hate ballrooms. But anyway, it would be like, Imagine if, and I know maybe they would stink. I don't care. So let's remove the ew from it. If everybody took their shoes off and was barefoot, even if you couldn't see it, they would talk to each other differently. Because when you go into somebody's home, you interact with them on a very different level. So imagine doing business if you were freaking barefoot. It would be so much better. And you would get to that, like you'd be 50% in right from the front because that is a little bit like, it is a little bit vulnerable, but it's very comfortable as well. And you can also like feed on the ground in the earth. That's a thing. So that's what our trips feel like. It cannot have another name. And we just go around to the places doing those. So this year we have Barefoot Business Argentina coming up in May. And then we have Barefoot Business Croatia on a yacht in October. Yes. And the way in which you got to the naming and the the piece in which builds the experience is so novel and you can't help but laugh and it is so real. 
It's it's yeah. so incredibly real and it does not feel stuffy and yet I am I can only imagine the brilliance that you have among <laughs> yourselves when all of those people get there because you have an ability to attract people who I'm sure have amazing things to offer each other. So for that, thank you. Yeah. And also thank you so much for the LinkedIn fun and even these stories. They're just, I mean, you cannot have a conversation and dream about what the event could be like with you without laughing. And I think on your website, it says, if you don't have fun planning the event, the event won't be fun. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a line on exactly. your website. <laughs> It's very yeah, funny. Exactly. And that is, that's our ultimate litmus test. When people have asked us in the past, how do, um, you know, how do you guys not even pick a place, but how do you know if it's going to be good? And I'm like, that is a, if we, Liz and I personally don't think it's going to be fun and I'm not going to lie, we are travel snobs of experience, like, because we know how powerful can, it can be, then we're not going to do it. So if, and that's how everybody should think is if this isn't fun. Now, not everything has to be the word fun, but our things do. If we don't think it is, then then that's the end. Because truly, um, in the end, if people even don't even know what they want, nobody doesn't want to have fun. Absolutely. Awesome. So with that, where can people connect with you, Nicole? Uh, they'd love to connect with you and tell them where you want them sure. to find you. Yeah. So on my LinkedIn, um, I gave myself my, you know, Liz has like CMP and the other people have other letters. So I gave myself some letters XOXO after my name on LinkedIn, just because that's fun. But it's Nicole Ashibodu, O-S-I-B-O-D-O on LinkedIn. Um, but also we are on Instagram is at the community factory. Um, and that's where, that's where you can find us. And then you can email me, Nicole at the community factory.com or, um, I really love a video message. I'm not going to lie. Like when you're on a walk, like, don't get a perfect, like, give me a sweaty, like I just fell down the stairs, but here I am. And I just had a question for you. Like, I'm going to give you a video response wherever I'm at. And it's going to be funny. I love it. And that is the challenge of the year for our listeners. You have to send Nicole a video message. And when people do that Please. from the Modern Learners podcast, Nicole, you've got to let me know. Oh my gosh, that's fantastic. Yes. So with that, thank you so much for chatting with me today. And as I always say to those of you listening, have a good day and don't get in trouble. Thank you for joining me today on the Learning to Change podcast. I hope you found our discussion insightful and inspiring. As we continue to explore the power of learning and its impact on change, remember that it's not about pushing yourself or others to change, but about embracing the process of learning. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. If you're ready to take your learning journey to the next level or bring about a culture of learning in your organization, join us in our free Modern Learners community. We are here to help you navigate the challenges and celebrate the successes that come with embracing learning and change. Simply go to modernlearners.community and join us today. You'll find all the resources from today's show in there. Until next time, Stay curious and remember, I'm not asking you to change, I'm asking you to learn. 
Learning to Change is produced by Yellow House Media. Our production coordinator is Lou Blaser. Marty Seafelt edits our episodes. Our production assistant is Emily Kilduff. And Sean McMullen is our executive producer. Learning to Change is recorded on the stolen land of the Sauk and Fox tribes, the Miami Nation, the Osati, Shakawi, Sioux, Ho-Chunk, and Kickapoo peoples. 